Monday. It's March 2nd. And the word of the day is albedo, or the annoying white stuff on the inside of an orange rind. And if you're going to give me cancer with GMO oranges, at least breed out the parts that don't taste good. Also, and possibly even more commonly, albedo is the proportion of the incident light or radiation that is reflected by a surface. And if you're curious, as near as I can tell, the albedo of albedo is about 0.35. I'm I'm no illusions. I'm Heath Enright. And broadcasting delayed from America's far center, we are the Skeptocrats. On episode 6, a Massachusetts museum will open up a fully interactive UFO abduction display where you can probe your own anus. Invisible crop dusters cure America of erectile dysfunction in Project Jet Blue Balls. Scott Walker will proactively pardon Bill Cosby. And we learn that blowing a centaur is known to be bad for your health by the state of Georgia. But first, the Duo Tribe. So, yes, this show leans left. And yes, that probably has something to do with the fact that both Heath and I lean left and neither of us are immune to cognitive bias. You know, we're looking at the world through our own political filters just like everybody else. I call mine data-colored glasses. Right. But then again, so do lots of wrong people. And that's the real problem, yeah. But the point is that we're admitting our bias up front and we're not setting out to intentionally make one side of the political aisle look stupid. (laughs) However, should one side of that aisle make themselves look incredibly stupid at a large event, we're going to report on that. Enter CPAC, the annual (laughs) conservative political action conference where moderate conservatives go every year to be shouted down as communists. Now in its 42nd year, CPAC has grown from a handful of conservative zealots sitting far outside the mainstream to more than 10,000 zealots tug-of-warring the party center ever closer to unelectable fanatic. Yeah, basically where viable candidates go to see how close they can come to saying, yeah, I hate Mexicans too, without completely ruining their campaign. Yeah, and where non-viable ones go to win straw polls. And lest you think we're just demonizing the political party we least agree with, we'd like to enter into the evidence a few of the stupidest things that happened at CPAC. These all actually happened. We're not editorializing very much. Eh, a little bit. And <laughs> I should point, point out, by the way, these aren't in order of stupidness. This is more or less in chronological order. Right. All right. So we're going to start with the misguided attempt by the event organizers to gather questions from citizens ahead of time on Twitter using hashtag CPACQ, also known as Hashtag please troll us. Right. Here's a few of the questions they received that I imagine went unaddressed at the conference, chosen from a very nicely compiled list in an article by Scott Kaufman on Raw Story. First up, we have Red State Blues, who asked, what do you have against yoga pants? They're safer than guns. Hashtag from my cold dad ass. Oh, nice. That was fun. Uh, From Honest Abe, which restroom will Larry Craig be using? (laughs) It's very important that I know that ahead of time. From Cod Tin Cannon, who had a question for Senator Mike Lee. In your opinion, Senator, who is the laziest minority group? (laughs) No, I I bet that one actually was discussed at the conference. They actually might have done that. (laughs) From at Looster Paul, what should be done about hashtag hijacking? That's a very important topic. Important one, yes. And finally, from Christy Boyer. What's the easiest way to incorporate my uterus and then move it overseas to avoid taxes? <laughs> Remember, uteruses are people, too. Great now, question. of course, the stupid was just getting warmed up, and as Lucinda learned firsthand last week, there's no stupid quite like Trump stupid, except possibly guy who invited Trump stupid. And that guy exists. But they did, yeah, apparently, <laughs> and he and his highly trained head weasel took to the stage to remind everybody that you don't need foreign policy if you just Kill all the people you disagree with. <laughs> and you wouldn't really need domestic policy either, would you? Yeah, no, not really. Fire the whole policy department. <laughs> right. They're fired. Great. He's good at that. 
You're fired. Explaining that if he were president right after he got all the jobs back from China and made America rich again, he'd deal with ISIS by, quote, hitting them so hard and so fast they wouldn't know what had happened, end quote. And perhaps fearing that his kill those fuckers policy was lacking in substance, he also added that in addition to hard and fast, you also have to be firm. That's the key. Okay, the got firmness. it. Although I'm not sure that's the best strategy. If no, you probably s- not. If you're going slow and flaccid, they never see it coming in my experience. <laughs> It's like Al Gore boiling frogs. It's the same idea. Exactly yeah. like that, yeah. All right, so who else did we have? Um, all right, there was that guy who fucked us on that contract, All of America. Newt Gingrich spoke as well, and he decided to use his time blasting Hillary Clinton on prehalf of whoever might have to deal with her in 2016. Specifically, Newt went after what he believes were improper donations taken by Hillary from foreign sources to the Clinton Foundation, her family's humanitarian charity organization. And to give everyone a reasonable basis for comparison, Newt likened those contributions to the humanitarian charity to those taken by American spies from Nazis during World War II. Okay. Very similar to him. So the... Uh... The guy who divorced his terminally ill, cancerous wife on her deathbed to marry his mistress thinks that's immoral, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's what you're saying. That's the one. I, I'm just going to defer to the expert here, <laughs> right, I guess. So, yeah, just a quick refresher. This is also the same Newt Gingrich that was officially reprimanded by the House of Representatives in 1997 for using a tax-exempt organization for political purposes and also then lying to the House Ethics Committee about that. Yeah. Now, that all doesn't necessarily mean... Hillary is innocent, but well, why wouldn't you idiots have anyone else right. make that speech? Exactly. Gingrich is one of 11 people in history to be officially reprimanded by the House Ethics Committee. And one of one people in history to be reprimanded for exactly what they're accusing Hillary of doing. Phil Robertson would have been a better choice for that speech. Clint Eastwood would have been a better choice. <laughs> a stool and would have been better. Of course, Newt wasn't the only one with a swastika up his sleeve. But enough about Sarah Palin's tattoos. Let's talk about her speech. <laughs> Well, she didn't exactly go Godwin. It's probably mostly because that would require a greater base of historical knowledge that she could muster, even after reading all the books. But she did bring up the Nazis specifically as a historical precedent of effective genocide. <laughs> right, yeah. She thinks genocide's fine as long as you're the good guy. Yeah, right. Yeah. At least it's an ethos. Good job, Sarah Palin. Now, obviously, that sounds awful and wrong, but to be fair, it's far more coherent than anything she said during her Iowa Freedom Summit speech. Like most of my bowel movements, exactly. <laughs> in opposition to the State Department's insistence that we can't neutralize the threat of ISIS by killing all the people, again, in opposition to that she's, view, she's that. she submitted the Nazis, all of whom were killed by Americans, to end World War II, which is apparently <laughs> what she thinks exactly happened. happened. Absolutely. Apparently. Also on the CPAC speaker docket was... Duck Dynasty Patriarch and perennial Republican Party foul Phil Robertson. In preparation for his talk, Robertson claims to have done some research at the Center for Disease Control website, where he learned that 110 million Americans have sexually transmitted diseases. How did that happen? Well, according to ZZ Top's favorite stunt double, quote, it's the revenge of the hippies. Oh. Sex, drugs, (laughs) and rock and roll have come back to haunt us. In a bad way. Not a good End one. quote, no. right. So let that be a lesson to you. If you're going to go up to a musical festival in upstate New York, don't fuck the Congolese chimpanzees if they have the sniffles. Just be smart. <laughs> Safe. Congolese chimpanzee sex. But perhaps the stupidest moment in the entire conference came during Jeb Bush's speech, where all the audience members were forced to starkly face just how insane they actually are. Yes, the stupidest thing that happened at CPAC... 
was seen. Was having that. Yeah, exactly. A fact that was perfectly encapsulated when Jeb showed up to prove that you could still be conservative without hating the Federal Aviation Administration. <laughs> and his speech went something like this. All right, idiots, you're all going to have to begrudgingly vote for me next year. Right. I'm going to deal with it. Start getting used. This is what I look like. All right, no questions? Good. Yeah, Bushwhacker out. on your fucking t-shirt, whether you like it or not. Now, despite having bust in a crowd of his own supporters, Bush took to the stage amid a torrent of hisses and boos that were diminished only by the fact that a lot of the audience walked out on him. But once the tomatoes subsided a bit, he meekly dubbed himself a good second choice when the guy they prefer says that restaurants should have the right to refuse to service black people. And while he's not crazy enough to appeal to the truthers, birthers, and young earthers that fill the seats of CPAC, he's also just sane enough to recognize that I'm going to deport all the brown people and shut down the Department of Education and whatever that other one was isn't a feasible <laughs> strategy in the general election. However, Rand Paul is not sane enough to realize that, no. which, of course, made him the perfect candidate to win the CPAC straw poll for the third year yes. in a row on the strength of his white people anarchy platform. Yeah. Keeping it in the family. What could go and wrong? By the way, he already went on the record saying restaurants shouldn't have to serve black people if they don't want to. So in case you were curious. Before we move all the way into March, we wanted to make sure that everybody was up to speed with all the stuff that happened in February. Of course, our 30-minute weekly format forces us to skip a lot of major world events, so we thought we'd speed things up a bit as Noah covers every noteworthy thing that happened in February 2015 in two minutes, starting now! February was scary in various areas. Serious, furious fightings, inciting some serious plights, and inviting the right-wing Islamists to promise to kill all the godless, but honestly, all of this impotent bluster is just for a thin sheen of luster in hopes that they can muster a few to their banner. Sure, their webpage is enrageous, but they're faking courageous with pilots in cages and acts so outrageous we're tempted to wage this engagement in an ever-less opportune manner. Or the jihadis stack bodies up, pissed off the Saudis, Iraqis beat back these insurgents, but ought we be warring, ignoring the precedent presidents can't declare war? Well, Obama's asked Congress to be an accomplice and sanction this offense. He's sure that they want this most turbulent province all but covered in bombs. It's just that Congress doesn't work anymore. In Nigeria, an area day went by where we weren't hearing nefarious stories declaring that tensions are flaring and folks disappearing as Boko Haram runs amok. In Ukraine, they feign gains, but the fact still remains that all the Merkel is work will amount to in vain, what with Putin still shooting and scarcely disputing that he's a miserable, dishonest fuck. In Canada, man, I'm a really big fan of the court finally landing on lifting the ban on assisting the death of a terminal man, and I hope he can follow their plan. I mean, shucks, I'm appalled, and it sucks that we stalled those Canucks that are all trying to leave Montreal any motherfucking way that they can. In Yemen, an enemy showed up again, and they offered some weaponry ended with sending reports that the president left after being deposed. The virulent enmity escalates endlessly, right? Rising intensity makes these events that see many a Yemeni embassy closed. Germany is learning a few things concerning the EU returning a profit. They scoff at their earnings, pissed off that it's turning out worse than just burning their money to keep themselves warm. Fearing that Greece would default on their lease, they consulted a piece and decided at least they could handle decreasing their payments and ease all that pesky financial reform. In the States, we debate if the waste we create truly hastens the fate of the Earth's use by date as we brace and we wait for the 38th blizzard to hit us this winter. Meanwhile, this senile vaccine denial makes measles a feasible risk for a child because the data outdated so much that they made it with a Commodore dot matrix printer. In politics, all of this early campaigning is straining the donors and coffers are draining so everyone's looking at Jeb and complaining, especially those in his base. Scott Walker's a hawker, a miserable fucker, depending on which of the pundits you talk to. They pilloried Hillary's fundraising villainy, and they also don't care for her pace. With a nation impatient to fix immigration and a Congress with fondness for naught but stagnation, the president enacted executive actions, but factions attacked it with overreactions that nearly shut down the government purse. Losing that battle? Well, that'll sting bad. They'll be bitter and battled and a little bit rattled, but I'm sure that there's plenty of folks in Seattle that recall a call at the start of the month that was worse. Time! Joining me for headlines tonight is fellow skeptic rat, No Illusions. Noah, I understand they did not end up televising your speech at CPAC. Would you like to give us your closing line one more time? I, I don't even understand. I was just trying to get the vote out of those judgmental assholes. I, I was... <laughs> 
And remember, guys and gals, come November, punch that ballot like you're a nail and it's a savior. <laughs> Hello? God wanted Jesus to get nailed to the cross. That was the whole fucking point. Hey, 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 did you hear that we were nominated for a podcast award at podcastawards.com and that voting starts on March 4th? Vegas, baby! So, moving on, let's see what Twitter is doing to ruin the legacy of a great comedian because he probably deserves it. Trending with far worse material since recent allegations in the news is hashtag... Cosby pickup lines. Would you like to play or pass? Well, as nervous as I am to use the word pass when we're talking about Bill Cosby, <laughs> I'm more hesitant to say play, so I'll pass. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess I might need to tweet this in verses, but um, I'm going to sing a song for you. Bill's going to give you a pill or two. <laughs> You'll have some fun now with me and all the gang. You probably won't remember while we do our thing. Nah, nah, nah. Gonna have a gang bang. Hey, hey, hey. I'm done. See, mine is going to be so lame now. I, <laughs> mine was only like six letters long. I apologize, everybody. I obviously can't sing. So my Cosby pickup line, cheers. <laughs> Brevity. Well, yeah, it's much simpler, much simpler. <laughs> and this week's random stranger winner was at Spafu, whose Cosby pickup line was, I'm a Cliff your Huxtable. So well played, Mr. At Spafu as well. Kind of can't help but wonder what kind of noises Bill Cosby makes when he comes. Zip, zap, zoopity, zap, boom. Now lick up that pudding, bitch. Maybe, maybe it's something like that. It's probably Come here. Here. Come here. <laughs> He's pointing at the tip. Rudy, Theo, Claire... In our lead story tonight, Bibi Netanyahu is a dick. As Israel's prime minister prepares for a controversial speech before U.S. Congress and everyone in the Obama administration down to the secretary of the Department of Veterans Affairs plans to be the hell out of town, he finds himself dodging questions about some damning South African intelligence cables that show he was just making shit up when he addressed the U.N. about Iran's nuclear capabilities in his infamous 2012 Wiley Coyote bomb demonstration, <laughs> if you info, recall yeah. that one. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, they intercepted messages from Mossad His reporting guys. back to the Israeli government that Iran's nowhere near getting nuclear capability like Netanyahu was claiming. Mm -hmm. Basically, we're looking right at the site you told us to check. We're standing right here. It's, it's just a few dozen camels with metal poles strapped to their back walking around in a circle. <laughs> we could definitely still blow it up, but I, it's not the point. Of course, the timing of this leak couldn't be worse for him as it happens all but on the eve of him ta talking to U.S. Congress about the exact same subject he was just caught lying about. <laughs> What's more, by waving his dick at Obama from across the tarmac as he flies in, he's also jeopardizing one of the world's most lopsided relationships in all of politics. I mean, yes, it. the U.S. needs a strong ally in the Middle East, but come on, for Israel money and nuclear weapons, <laughs> most of these countries would build a statue of Ronald Reagan on top of their favorite mosque. And why would Israel have a problem with the United States trying to negotiate reductions in Iran's nuclear program? That helps you, idiots. That's... That helps everyone that doesn't want a nuclear holocaust. Right. Nobody's saying you can't keep sending Mossad agents to murder Iranian nuclear scientists. That's great. Just don't tell us about it. Well, s someone might be saying that. But... And in Walker sexist danger news tonight, Wisconsin governor and GOP presidential hopeful Scott Walker recently proposed a budget plan that includes a reduction in funding of about $300 million for the state's university system. Out of context, that sounds like a pretty bad idea, and many would argue it's also a bad idea within context. But regardless of your stance on the budgeting priority of higher learning, I would have assumed everyone in Wisconsin could agree that telling on the rapist is a good thing. You and would hope. It turns out I would have assumed incorrectly. Somehow, 
inexplicably, the new budget proposal includes language that specifically removes the requirement that each campus report statistics on incidents of sexual assault to the Department of Justice. And even worse, if that's even possible, witnesses of such incidents will no longer be required to report this to school officials. They, would you, maybe it's so that nobody's obligated to report Scott Walker raping the public university <laughs> system. No, no, that could be. I'm, I'm so confused by it. I mean, what the fuck kind of pork barrel caucus building bullshit is happening to get an explicit removal yeah. of re- removal of requirements regarding the report of sexual assault incidents? What group was on the fence about the budget proposal and required a a rape rider before they would get on board. Who the Bro, fuck is that? And rider. why are they part of Wisconsin's government? Right. Somebody had to write this up as a proposal and actually discuss it during legislative committee discussions. Like, how does that go? Okay, so before we can sign off on this budget plan, you've got to tell me how we get these rape numbers down, if not by underreporting them grossly. Unless you've got any better ideas yeah, than so that. All of a sudden, a light bulb comes on. It's like, wait, hey, wait, that worked for Penn State <laughs> for a while anyway. <laughs> so, This is one of the more terrifying bits of legislation we've seen, but despite verification that the story is in fact real in several major news sources, we still needed to see this rape obfuscation lobbyist group for ourselves before we actually believed it. So, with more on this story, we turn to very brave roving reporter Lucinda Lusions, who is live at the headquarters of the Coalition of Sexual Battery Endorsers Political Action Committee, or Cosby Pack. Lucinda, how's the mood over there? They're really throbbing with excitement, Heath. The world probably hasn't seen a group of rapists this enthusiastic since God sent those angels to Lot's house. I see. So how is this part of the... For the last time, damn it, I do not want a drink. Sorry, Heath. Yeah, no worries. Do not take any jello shots or pudding pops either, would be my recommendation. But I was going to ask how this legislation fits into the committee's larger pro-rape goals, I guess. They prefer the term unilateral sexual congress, he said. Oh, right, right, yeah. Consent impaired. Wouldn't want to offend anybody. Sorry, gotcha. Uh, but they're very excited, obviously. This is a huge thrust forward for them. I was talking to Ben Roethlisberger earlier, and he warns that without bold action like this, we might reach a point where it's illegal to rape someone, even if you're a famous athlete. Wow, that would be rough for him. And uh, what do they plan to do if the bill doesn't pass? I'm sure they'll try to force it through, Heath. <laughs> Sounds about right. So what's next? Uh, someone getting fucked against their will, I would imagine. Wonderful. And after that? Well, if they're not planning on resting now, Heath, they're pursuing a very aggressive legal strategy, and they never take no for an answer. So what's the strategy? Cultural discrimination, Heath. Their legal team argues that the government is obligated to protect the Native American culture, the Muslim culture, and the Amish culture. So why not the rape culture? Be. Because rape is illegal? So is being black, Heath, but the law protects their culture. Uh, I, I don't think being black is illegal as much as it's just, you know, frowned upon by the legal system. I really hate to argue with you here, Heath, but about 8.5% of black people will go to jail at some point in their lives. Only about 3% of rapists will. So I really think the statistics are on my side here. Well, that's terrifying. Well, that's a matter of relativity, Heath. I'm standing in a room full of rapists. Uh, yeah, you probably want to get the hell out of there. Will do. And in pinching off the meme stream news tonight, a group of Italian and American researchers have demonstrated that the people on Facebook actually are as stupid as you think they are. The study, which looks specifically at the posting and reposting habits of conspiracy theorists, determined that there is virtually no level of insane one can reach with a conspiracy theory at which the true believers will double-check. Unless, of course, you cite reality. Yeah. Go check on that. Just about the only red flag for those guys would be 
footnoting a peer-reviewed science journal. That would be a big problem. Right. They won't read the journal, but they'll assume it's, you know, just trumped up evidence in the form of repeatable results and, yeah, and that's disbelieve what you were saying. Useful. Now, to give you an idea, A, just how credulous these conspiracy theorists are, and B, how fucking awesome these researchers are, <laughs> I want to offer two of the bullshit, <laughs> like, obviously wrong posts that they used in this. <laughs> these in, are the, great. Okay, so... <laughs> One was uh, about a new kind of environmentally friendly lamp made of actinides, <laughs> which you would know are radioactive elements like plutonium and uranium if you bothered to look up the word before you reposted it, these environmentally friendly actinides. But the other was even better. It was about chemtrails, and it claimed that one of the chemtrails used – or one of the chemicals, rather, used in chemtrails was uh, sildenafil citratum, which, again, through the powers of Google, one can easily know is the part of Viagra that makes you hard. <laughs> It also makes sure that chemtrails don't last more than four hours so right. as not to arouse suspicion. <laughs> Just dicks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, exactly. Now, the point being, of course, I said point, that by and large, nobody even bothered to look up the unfamiliar words before reposting the claims. And as easy as it is to just, like, point and laugh at this, obviously, it's really easy to underestimate just what a real danger this social media misinformation thing is. As more and more people rely on less and less accurate and less and less accountable news sources, it's bound to have real-world effects, which one could argue you're already seeing in anti-science legislation around the world. And in, well, he did cross his heart and hope to die news tonight. The Great Barrington Historical Society and Museum in Massachusetts embarrassed their museum, their city, their state, history, and societies last month by enshrining a local UFO abduction story in their museum as though it were a thing that happened in nonfiction. What's the exhibit even made of? Like yeah, Martian right? fossils? How do you visually represent a chain of no evidence? How do you? I, well, the person to ask, that? I guess, would be the man at the center of this lie and or delusion. That would be Thomas Reed, who goes by Tom but spells it with an H for some reason. He claims that he was abducted by little green men on not one but three occasions, and what's more, he also claims that his brother, mother, and grandmother also claim that they were abducted by little green men on one or right. more of those. All right, guys, it's called Occam's Razor. If you get abducted by little green men in Massachusetts, unless proven otherwise, that's leprechauns. Why? Why the leap all the way to like the Bugs Bunny aliens with toilet brush helmets? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, dude, I so want that toilet brush now. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, Debbie Opperman, the head of the local historical society, explained that, quote, we have given in an awful lot of thought, and based on the evidence we've been given, we believe that this is a significant and true event, end quote. <laughs> and since the evidence that they're talking about is a stack of letters from UFO societies and parapsychologists say it sounds legit to me and a polygraph result, she apparently thinks that this the process of a historical verification consists of him looking like a straight-up fella. He's from around here. <laughs> and in Dolly's Pardon News tonight. Georgia GOP State Representative Tom Kirby has proposed legislation that would explicitly outlaw genetic engineering involving human embryos, especially any sort of cloning that involves the creation of human hybrid mythical beasts. What? As it turns out, this was a major pillar of his campaign platform. He made four promises, and this was one of them. What? Apparently, he represents a large constituency of Georgians who are routinely affected by the Rising tide of centaurs, pigmen, and glow-in-the-dark jellyfish merpeople in their area. Vote no on Moreau. <laughs> that could have been his like, campaign slogan. It's probably too late now. Though. Right, so as absurd as this may sound, I'm not even slightly making this up, and Georgia isn't even the first state to try it. Forward-thinking, progressive states like Arizona and Louisiana already have similar laws on the books against mythical beasts. And <laughs> statistics show very little... Humanoid mutant-related crime in these states, oh, which yeah, makes it go. all the more likely that it'll pass in Georgia, too. 
despite the fact that researchers in this exact field of genetic chemistry have already done things like win Nobel Prizes for groundbreaking cancer and Alzheimer's research. So, and, and, and yes, listening to this guy warn about the rise of the centaurs is funny, and it's easy to just laugh it off, like we were saying before, but anytime you have an accidentally puts the spoon in the wrong orifice level idiot <laughs> making laws about science, laws that might actually restrict legitimate fields of research based on chimeraphobic insanity. It's probably something that we should stand up to. Right. So we're not sure how Kirby first decided to make GMO mermaids a legislative priority, but it seems he may have consulted with an expert in the field named Professor Chuck Xavier, whose magical spaghetti strainer helmet radio was picking up lots of supervillain activity near Georgia's numerous cutting-edge genetic labs. Now, it should be noted that Kirby is willing to grandfather in all the currently existing mythical beasts. Oh, so, well, good. I guess they're just waiting on the committee of cryptozoologists to make sure all the right names are on that list, and they'll be all ready to go with Kirby's Dream Act. And, be fun. of course, this frustrates me for a lot of reasons, but foremost is that it slows down my own genetic research and the Tijuana Centaur show that it might create. <laughs> but we're confident that we're going to get around this. We're still going to make that happen, and the show is going to need a name, so we set our team of unpaid, underage Guatemalan orphan refugees to come up with ideas for the black market GMO mythical bestiality <laughs> sex show. Yes, we did. And they were disturbingly pleased with this week's topic, they, i got to say. So, <laughs> what do you want to hear first? Alright, let's go from, uh, in order of most to least visible ribs. We'll start with Guillermo then, I guess. Right, so Guillermo went with how to train your crouching liger hidden drag queen. Okay, now that's good, but we need something that says mad scientist fucking his latest creation. Alright, well, Raul had the splice man cometh. Gene's getting wild. Alright, that's better. We're getting there. We're getting there. Alright, from Dave, we had mules of engagement. Burrow down the Gland Canyon with a rented ass. (laughs) Nice. That was fun. Yeah, I'm gonna use that for my non-GMO Tijuana bestiality show. <laughs> that that somebody else performs in that. I just I I just produce. I just produce. <laughs> of course. Uh let's see what else. Uh Carlos had the Chronicles of Barnia Tijuana Bestiality Sex Show. The Lion, the Mayan, the Bitch, and the Whore Probe. Nice. C.S. Lewis would be got, so proud. You got into that one. And of course, last but not least is Gabriella, who went with Consentar of a Woman. Nay means nay, and woe means woe. I like it. I like it. It emphasizes that our Tijuana bestiality sex show respects women. Good call. Of course. And that's going to do it for episode six. Thanks to No Illusions for all the researching, writing, recording, editing, and general doing of all this stuff. Thanks to his lovely wife, Lucinda, for boldly forcing her way into the back door of the rape lobby. And thanks to all the listeners that liked us on Facebook, followed us on Twitter, and sent us feedback on the other various internets. Please keep doing that. Please keep listening, and please keep telling your friends. And if you're feeling that same chemistry that I'm feeling, do not ignore your loins. Please feel free to send us gifts of earthly currency at our donation page at patreon.com slash skeptocrat. Like Graham, Kelly, and Donovan, whose donations this week earned them double portions of astronaut ice cream in our post-apocalyptic bunker, if it ever comes to that. Dippin' Dots are awesome. Yeah. And whether or not you're feeling financially benevolent, if you enjoyed our brand of whimsy and you'd like to hear more unsolicited dick jokes free of charge... Check out our podcast award-nominated sister show, The Scathing Atheist, available on iTunes, Stitcher, or directly from scathingatheist.com. Loyal supporters can start voting for us once a day at podcastawards.com starting March 4th. We have just one last thing. Let's compliment that penis. Special thanks to Ebony and Ivory Belt of the Crazy 88, Ryan Slotnick of Evil Drafts on Mars. He is the creator of the infectious musical stylings you heard today, which were used with his permission. You should definitely check them out using the links we'll provide or by Googling the only band called Evil Drafts on Mars. 
Until next week, catchphrase sign-off. decides the Patreon just isn't cutting it for him and Heath anymore. So they walk into a talent office and say, we've got a great show we want to sell you. The agent says, you've got one minute to pitch it. Heath says, first I come out with a jar of Zizva to the tune of I'm just a bill up on Capitol Hill. I crush up the weevils. I use them as lube to jack off into a latte. Noah says, then I come out juggling boiled donkey skulls that have Boehner, Klingenschmidt, and Orrin Hatch Bass on them. While I'm juggling, Heath pours the latte into my mouth, which I gargle and swallow. Heath says, At this point, Lucinda comes out. We drop our pants and bend over, allowing Lucinda to pull out the pre-placed amber necklaces we've crammed up our asses, like she's starting a pair of Polestar lawnmowers. Noah says, By now we are gushing blood from our asses and vomiting from the pain, while Lucinda whirls the necklaces over her head. We eventually faint, and Lucinda niggardly gives us acupuncture with used needles to revive us. Heath says, then we all take a blood shit and vomit-covered bow. Ta-da! The agent says, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Who would enjoy something so skeptical, so political, and so unwelcoming? Get the fuck out of my office. The guys go to leave, and the agent calls to them, out of pure morbid curiosity. What do you call your act? In unison, Heath and Noah say, The Skeptocrats.